US consumer price inflation in August was a tad higher and stickier than expected, but not enough to derail expectations the Fed will hold next week. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And in our bonus deep dive interview, Kun Go unpacks a surprise outflow of foreign direct investment from Asia and China in particular. This move towards de-risking or shifting some of the production out from China into other production hubs in the region is structural and will continue for many years to come. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ, US consumer price index inflation was 0.6% overall in August from July and up 3.7% for the year. Now, core inflation of 0.3 was a touch above the market's expectation of around 0.2. But annual, that was at 4.3 and that was in line. So the markets haven't moved much overnight. ANZ's head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin, points out the super core measure, the Fed favours, actually rose 0.4% for the month. That was the strongest since March. Now, that reverses some of the weakness that we have seen in recent months. In fact, it was the highest print since March. And I think it means that the Fed are going to have to keep a very careful eye on how inflation evolves over the autumn um, to ensure that they are comfortable that policy is at an appropriately restrictive level to bring inflation back down to target. Number two, all eyes now turn to the European Central Bank, which will decide tonight on whether to pause its rate hikes after 375 basis points in almost a year. Currently, markets see more than a two-thirds chance of a hike. Brian sees a hold as more likely. We had more weak data from the European Union today in the euro area. Industrial production fell 1.1% in July. And I think that with the whole sequence of data we've seen from PMIs, surveys of investors outlook that we've all had in the last uh, couple of days, I think it's all telling me that the economy is decelerating, that the ECB have done sufficient at this stage to bring inflation back down. And indeed, we are seeing an improvement in the core data. So my sense is that the ECB will hold. Number three, Australian jobs numbers are due out today. ANZ's Head of Australian Economics, Adam Boyton, sees unemployment nudging down to 3.6% from 3.7% because of an extra 30,000 jobs. What we have seen over the past few months is job ads start to rise again. Consumers' unemployment expectations, which had been lifting, have stabilised. And forward orders in the National Australia Bank Business Survey have lifted also over the past few months. These things are generally good forward-looking indicators of the labour market. And what they tell us is we're likely to see a softening in labour market conditions in a trend sense, but certainly no collapse. Number four, New Zealand is also seeing some green shoots from its housing market. The Real Estate Institute reported prices rose in August for the third month running. Here's ANZ's New Zealand senior economist, Miles Workman. We've had a recent loosening in LVR restrictions, but also a small loosening in the triple CFA legislation. So those two things alone are uh, adding a little bit of impetus to demand. But ultimately, I think a a big part of the story here is that we've got a a very strong uh, migration-led population growth impulse to housing, and that appears to be bolstering things across the country. Number five. 
Australian consumer confidence has lost the momentum it had seen in a rebound from near record lows in previous weeks. ANZ's weekly survey showed a slide, and the index is still under 80 at near COVID lockdown levels. It's been there for a record-long six months. ANZ's economist in Australia, Maddie Dunk, says it's not just homeowners with mortgages feeling the pain. Renters are too. We saw that consumer confidence amongst renters decline quite sharply last week, so it fell more than five points. And while the focus is often on mortgage holders, understandably because they are doing it very tough, we also know that it's a really difficult time for many renters. They're dealing with very high inflation. It's an incredibly tight rental market. ANZ's Maddie Dunk there. Now, in today's bonus deep dive interview, we hear from ANZ's head of Asia research, Kun Go, about the biggest ever net outflow of foreign direct investment from Asia over the last year. This is very unusual because Asia typically is a overall net recipient of FDI, given that it's a very attractive destination for multinationals to shift production here. So to have a negative overall net FDI uh, is almost unprecedented uh, and has only typically occurred during severe economic downturns. Now, having said that, there are a few things that lead me to believe the negativity is not as bad as first thought. Now, net FDI is uh, both uh, a net of the foreign inward inflows and outflows from countries that invest uh, in other parts of the world. And there has been a very sharp decline in inward FDI. Most of that was driven from China. And the decline in China, however, is not because foreign multinationals decided to stop investment at all. That is not the case. In fact, the way the FDI is calculated is that retained profits are included as part of FDI. And because a lot of foreign multinationals in China actually lost money in the last 12 months because of the difficult trading conditions, the decline in exports, and we can see that in terms of the negative uh, producer price index. That has the effect of artificially dragging down the reported FDI numbers. Now, if you look at the alternative measure of FDI into China, which is provided by the Ministry of Commerce, that measure strips out the cyclical impact of profitability. And that shows that while the utilised foreign capital did fall in the last 12 months, they're still at a fairly healthy level uh, and certainly at levels well above pre-pandemic trends. So the headline numbers that you see are exaggerated and shouldn't be cause for alarm. And what's happening with flows outside of China? So in terms of how, what we are seeing in other markets, we are seeing a very interesting shift in terms of how certain countries uh, are changing their overall FDI trend. Now take, for example, uh, South Korea. Uh, for a long time, it has attracted a lot of inward FDI flows. And in recent years, we've actually started to see a trend of Korean companies investing offshore. Uh, and this shouldn't come as a surprise. We know that Vietnam has been a huge uh, investment destination for a lot of the Korean companies, such as Samsung. Uh, but that trend of outward FDI investment into the rest of Southeast Asia, uh, and increasingly now India, is becoming very apparent in their 
uh, overall FDI flows. So while inward FDI has been stable, the acceleration in outward FDI from Korea meant that Korea is now an overall net exporter of foreign direct investment. This is a trend that will continue for the years to come. Even Taiwan, for example, uh, we noticed that it too has started to experience an increase in outward direct investment as Taiwanese companies also seek to put a new production capability in other markets. And once again, uh, India is very much a part of that uh, new mix of investments going into other parts of Asia. Now, are these geopolitical tensions between China and the United States feeding into this? And will it stick? This uh, fragmentation of FDI flows is here to stay. There is no indication that the geopolitical tensions between the US and China will ease off anytime soon. And to be honest, even if there was a toying in relations, I think a lot of multinationals will still make the judgment call that over time anyway, uh, the increasing competition between the US and China might lead to a re-escalation down the track. ANZ's Head of Asia Research, Kuhn Go there. I'm Bernard Hickey, that was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Thursday, September the 14th. Catch you tomorrow with the latest on that ECB rates decision. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.